Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast i'm danny sheriff your host certified fertility awareness practitioner functional nutrition counselor and founder of the ha society and of course an ha recovery coach who has walked where you currently are walking. This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing, nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice, so please seek the advice of your physician. like it's so beneficial yeah I mean well anyways I hit record so hello hello everybody welcome back to the HA podcast I'm excited bringing you a fun a fun guest today where we have Emily Everton she is a doctor of physical therapy um and so there's definitely multiple aspects that I want to talk with her about and share with you guys 
But of course, like any good guest, she has her own sort of story and journey with HA, just like you as a listener does. But she's also a practitioner um, in her very own right. And she's still learning and growing and studying to do that. So I just think now is a really great time to bring her on um, and and share all of that. So hello, Emily. Hi, Danny. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So that yeah, like I just said, there's a ton of things I want I want to get to, and I want to learn about um, sort of what you see in you know your future or the future of of a chain, like what where you sort of want to take it with the work that you do um, as as a PT and sort of as you work to get closer to becoming an HA coach. I know you're currently in the holistic HA practitioner certification, learning all you can as you sort of are on the tail end of your own journey. So I thought it would be really fitting for us to just stop first by kind of hearing your story and getting you to sort of tell us who you are and what kind of brought you into this sphere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will try to make this as concise as possible. Mm -hmm. Everyone um, can, most people can relate. It dates back pretty long ago, but um, I really love recounting my story too, because it ultimately got me to where I'm at today. And it's really steered me along this path of my, you know, life and my profession that I'm just so passionate about. So um, my story kind of goes back to when I was a really little girl, Uh, you know, from For as long as I can remember, there was always this attention brought to my weight, my appearance, um, you know, from really as long as I can remember. I would have to go to my pediatrician every like five to six months instead of every year because I was just smaller bodied. Um, And then I was also a dancer and a competitive dancer and transitioned into competitive cheerleading at a younger age too. And I was higher. Yes. so okay, yeah. Into- I see where this is going. Yes. I was the one that they would flow up, throw up in the air. And there's different positions in cheerleading. But yeah, I was a flyer. Um, and as you can imagine, there's a lot of pressure to be, whether that's pressure from coaches or your bases, or really just for me, it was a lot of pressure I put on myself to be the smallest version of myself so that I could go effortlessly in the air and I was also a tumbler, so like flip my body around and the lighter you are, the more like agile you are typically, or at the time I thought the more talented I was going to be. Um, mm. and I think on top of that, you know, I was pretty good at cheerleading. Um, I got a lot of praise for, you know, my cheerleading capabilities and my skills. And um, this just created this storm where an already perfectionistic type A younger girl um, then like had this perpetual like reach for perfection even in my recreational activities. So with cheerleading too. So um, there's a little bit of background on my athletic background, but so my shift with food really started, I would say as I got into high school, I got my period. Um, My first period came later than most of my friends. And still to this day, I, it was like, not even a true real 
period. Um, there's kind of like questionable of like primary amenorrhea, but nonetheless, I never got um, any bleeding after that. So I went to my pediatrician and I was put on birth control. Um, and while on birth control, I gained about like 15 pounds or so after starting birth control. And whether or not that was a side effect of birth control or if it was just um, you know, natural going through puberty, because I was kind of at that age where it would have been occurring anyways, seeing my body change pretty drastically, you know, like breast development that I never had before, um, that weight gain kind of all over, um, my cheerleading, you know, outfit wasn't fitting like it used to. I was still having to be thrown in the air, but I had this like really massive, mm -hmm. to me at the time, massive weight gain at you know, an otherwise really reasonable time to be having body changes. Um, and that really impacted my relationship with my body and impacted my relationship with food too. Um, and so, yeah, from there, you know, it was years of getting on and off birth control because I will say deep down, part of me was like, just doesn't feel right that I'm not getting a period if when I'm not on birth control. So I would get off of it. Hmm. I would wait and see if my period would come. My period wouldn't come. I would go to my doctor. I would go to my OBGYN. And the story I was always told growing up was you are low body weight. You're very active. And that's why you don't have your period. Um, nothing to worry about. Let's put you on the birth, on birth control regulate your cycles, which we know that's a foolish thing to mm -hmm. say, but regulate your cycles. And when the time comes that you want to get pregnant, you know, we'll come off and we'll deal with it then. So, um, I did, I would get back on and I would get back off. And then finally, um, I'm kind of skipping over some other things. You know, I went to college. I, cheerleaded in college too and my relationship with food got even worse then um I tore my ACL and that ended my college cheerleading career for more mm. one um you know I'm a physical therapist so looking back I could have totally went back to cheerleading after te tearing my ACL but I think I had been looking for this out because I put so much pressure on myself to be the best. I was striving for a 4.0 in school because I knew I wanted to apply for grad school for to be a physical therapist. I was exercising and then going to three hours of cheerleading practice. I was preparing for our national competition. I was trying to- So there was some relief almost- was there like some relief in the injury? And you're like, oh no, you know, this can't be healed, even though like it can, that was like a convenient narrative for you. Yes. It was almost mm -hmm. like. Interesting. And no, I can really relate to that. Like almost on like a side tangent, you know, I think a lot of us get in that. And like, even sometimes with business, sometimes I'm like, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if all this just failed because I'm tired. You know, so it's like definitely a relatable feeling. 100%. And don't get me wrong. When I tore my ACL, it was a pretty dramatic way to tear my ACL. Yeah. I came down from a stunt and planted and twisted. 
And I was devastated. It was about like 10 days or so before we were leaving for Florida for our, na- for our competition, our mm-hmm. national competition. So I was really devastated, but there was that part of me that was like, okay, I don't need to feel all this stress about this na- national competition. Like I, I was so nervous for it yeah. and I don't really done here and I don't need this perpetual stress of being small and like, you know, maintaining this physical fitness level that really no one was putting this pressure on me, but myself. Um, so yeah, that's, I did my cheerleading career and honestly, things went downhill from there a little bit, I would say in the sense of now I had this position where I was transitioning out of sport. And I think many people, I mean, I know for my professional work, that transition can be really hard because it's like, okay, where do we go from here with fitness and exercise? Um, and I tore my ACL. So I wasn't able to run like I used to. I wasn't able to do these other things. And something I tell all of the, the the women I work with when they're injured is this is a time where you need to be fueling your body even more. You need to, you know, help your body in this period of recovery. But back then I used that as a means to restrict further. So I really cut down my, um, cut down, you know, what I was eating and I was restricting much more because in my head, I think I was you know, at this point of like, oh my goodness, I tore my ACL, I can't exercise. And the, you know, gosh forbid, I gained some weight. So I actually lost a lot of weight then. I lost a lot of muscle mass. Um, that was probably the one point in my life where friends and family were asking if I was okay, you know, just from a physical standpoint, they saw how much muscle I lost and how much weight I lost. Mm-hmm. So that stands out as a you know integral part of where I saw things really go downhill with my relationship with food and my body and yeah it just perpetuated the storm but um so moving forward I got into grad school I started grad school and after kind of fast forwarding after I graduated grad school I started um you know, my, my professional work is a physical therapist and this is when the tide really shifted for me. I got engaged to my high school sweetheart. Um, we were together Uh through college and then he proposed to me once I graduated from grad school and I started to think more seriously about the future. And I started Mm -hmm. to stop denying everything. I started to really sit with myself and think, like what's going on here? <laughs> you know your health is not where it should be. Um, and yeah, so I got off birth control and I told myself like once and for all, I am not going back on birth control. I I read, you know, some books like um, Woman Code and I started to read up on more holistic means to address my missing period. I 100% increased my food intake and decreased my training. But after about a year of doing that and still no period, I was like, all right, this clearly isn't, you know, there's gotta be more. So 
I started, I went to my OBGYN um, and finally, after going through like three or four different doctors, she was wonderful. She validated that it was not okay that I wasn't getting a period and we did the testing and did the whole workup. And ultimately my LH was like 0.2. My estradiol was like so low, like all of my hormones were kind of flatlined and your standard presentation of hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, she did say at the time I had put on weight, she was like, you know, you seem to be in a healthy weight yeah. range. So let's do the brain MRI. Let's rule out everything. And um, the brain MRI did show a like small Rathke's cleft cyst, which I have heard of other women struggling with period mm-hmm. issues to have that. And of course, there was a part of me that wanted to grip onto that and say, that's the reason why I don't get my period. Um, but I saw a reproductive endocrinologist and he was like, 99% chance this is just functional hypothalamic amenorrhea and that was just an incidental finding um yeah it's like you start you find a lot of stuff when you go looking for it that could be very shiny and distracting yes exactly yeah. kind of on one hand I think I was like so relieved to have like the answer that I kind of always knew within me like this was going on and this was the reason behind everything but naturally it would be really awesome to be able to say that it was something else and I didn't have to change you know the way I was living um so that brought me forward to this just like whole realization reflection um on a lot of areas of my life and I decided like I'm going full throttle with this like I am addressing this. I can't live like this any longer. I was so stressed. You know, I went through phases before that of like intermittent fasting and like, I'd wake up at four 30 or 5. AM to work out before my work day. And, um, I was just done living like that. And my body was giving me all the signs that it was like, Emily, you need to stop. You need to just listen. So, um, yeah, I, honestly, going back to that permission, like we were talking about with cheerleading when I injured myself, when I finally got the diagnosis of hypothalamic amenorrhea, it was like this permission to finally release like the chokehold of everything to just give in and to have sounds silly, like to say it now, but permission Mm -hmm. and to stop exercising and to just let my body relax. Um, so although it was a very scary thing to go into, it was also this very freeing experience at the same time. Yeah. Liberation. Yeah. So um, from there, I did consult with a nutritionist at the time, Erin Kenny. She's wonderful. Um, I had read the book, No Period, Now What? I had met with Nic- Nicola Sykes now. Huh. And I just tried to go really full throttle into everything. And um, it took me 18 months before my first cycle came. I did do the Provera challenge and took the progesterone and I did have a withdrawal bleed. 
um, that was a little bit further into after I started period recovery. Um, and 18 months um, after, you know, consistent efforts. And may I add, I got married during this time. So yeah. stress was quite high. Um, I started my HA recovery journey after I had already bought and bought my wedding dress. So that was a very stressful mm -hmm. time for me. I had to get a new wedding dress and, you know, honestly, I was pretty proud of myself because I could have easily gone back to restricting and saying, I'm just gonna, you know, do this so I can get through the wedding and fit into my wedding dress. Um, but I, I knew that deep down, I like needed to do this for my health and that restoring ovulation, restoring my period was so much more important to me. So I got a new wedding dress. We got married. Wow. That's a huge decision. It was a very, very big decision. And it was really hard for me. Um, I shouldn't say the decision was hard for me. The decision was a no brainer. The reality of it was as hard. How's that sounds? Because, you know, I'm sure many women kind of struggle with that. I want to wait till after they get married, but yeah, that's why I wanted to pause on it. You're definitely not the first person because uh, we'll get a lot of people who, sure, it's just a timing thing or like, I know I want to get pregnant right after we get married. So it becomes this priority in the lead up to a wedding. Uh, and that is a huge point of contention because these dresses can cost crazy amounts of money. Um, and mm -hmm like you only get so many alterations and it depends on like the level of the dress. So I just feel like there are people listening that like, that is really important. Um, yeah. Like just to kind of stop on and be like, I knew this was the right decision, but, but like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did that feel? Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy. This is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. 
We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Yo, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Honestly, I think like when I decided I was going to start HA recovery and really make these lifestyle changes, it was such like a mix of this feeling of like so much anxiety and fear for what was to come, but also this like really overwhelming sense of empowerment that I was taking back my health and I was, you know, like it was in my own hands. Um, and so I think when like I started to think about my dress, there was a period of time where I was like, you know, maybe I do restore, restore my period in three months. And then my body just like, doesn't change that much because I didn't know what to expect. Mm. And so I didn't get a new dress right away. Um, but we had to move okay. our wedding COVID. So it was like a two year like thing. Um, and as I said, my period took much longer to come back. So once the wedding got closer, it still was like a no brainer. I was like, you know, no, we're getting a new dress. And I'm so fortunate to have such a like strong support system. My mom and my um, maid of honor, my cousin, my sister-in-law, my, my now mother-in-law all came with me the first round to get my dress. And my mom was just so mm. She knew how like big of a journey it was for me. So she was like, absolutely like, cause you know, my mom, my mom bought my first dress for me and she was like, we're doing this. We're going to go again. And my second experience, oh. was I honestly wanted to go alone. And my mom was like, I'm not letting you go alone. So just me and my mom went and it was so awesome. I didn't go on a weekend. I went on a weekend. The woman who like helped me was so fantastic. She like, let me come up to the area and like literally pick all the dresses I wanted to pick. And it was a weekday. So there wasn't anyone around. And it was just like such a liberating experience. I put on the dresses and I wasn't oh. like everything about myself. I was like, you know what? Like Makes me feel good. And I remember my mom telling me like, she she'll always say it now too. Like she loves my second dress so much more than my first dress. And oh, just like, you know, that's my standard mom. But I think my second dress just like, it like showed my curves a little bit more, like my new found curves. And like, I just honestly, well, we say when you go through this prog process, you truly do find who you really are. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that, you know, sure, you may have had this more womanly figure that felt like um, it suited you more and it suited like the address more. But also like you got to go in finding a dress that like truly suited you versus just like a dress that kind of any anyone could technically wear in like a skinny body. It's going to be socially accepted by anyone. But when you have 
actual body and and you're regaining your energy and your personality like you know it's a different experience choosing what to wear I'm curious what you said too about like a going during the weekday so I actually never had a wedding um I looked so I didn't have this whole dress trying on experience so on the weekends are there more brides there and it's like more anxiety inducing like a more comparison like what's the the thing Uh, yes um especially the place I went to it's like you know in my area it's where like everyone goes and there's big huge mirrors that you're just like standing in front of and you come out and you stand on the platform and everyone's looking at you and it's just people Mm. on the weekends it's busy on the weekday it's not nearly as busy so that was the best thing I could have done okay Um, pro tip yeah and I remember I tell my ice frequently I haven't been in a while it's my husband um I remember exactly the night before I went for my first dress fitting I said to him we were made, we made dinner together. We had some wine. We were sitting outside. It was a beautiful night. And I remember saying to him, I don't want to feel like this. I feel so like, so I feel like I can't eat what I want to eat. And I'm restricting because I'm trying to maintain this body for the wedding. And it feels so crappy. And I remember having so much anxiety and stress about going to try on a dress because I was so self-critical and I like the second time I went, I was just like, this is how it's supposed to be. Like, I'm not criticizing my body. Like I'm accepting the way my body looks. I'm loving my body for the curves and the dress is going like, I'm not picking a dress. Like the dress is going to fit my body. I'm not going to change my body to fit into a dress, if that makes sense. And it was just such a liberating, liberating feeling, such like a drastic shift. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, mean, I love I, that. My husband is like the most supportive person ever. Like I could just start tearing up talking about him now, but just through this whole journey, like, especially with our wedding, he like without fail was like the most support, like the biggest support system ever. So I just like, when I looked at myself in that second dress, I was like, Eric is going to love this. My husband's name is Eric. So it was just such an awesome experience, but I feel like I kind of started talking about the wedding, but well, I, I sidetracked you. So that's not my fault, but yeah, I just thought, you know, sometimes things like stick out to me that I think are more important and impactful um, to sit on and just pause. I'd be like, Hey, that's huge decision-making this comes up for me because um, it's like a, a thing I see a lot too of um, comparison when women are listening to other women's stories, right? It's like, why was it easy for her? Why can't I have that? It only took her this long. She only had to gain that much. And it's like, because like you alluded to the very beginning before you started telling the story, it's kind of hard to just sum it all up. You know what I mean? Like in, in a quick story, it's really hard to kind of really get across the challenges that actually were involved and we could talk for hours if we if we paused on every single challenge and thing you had to go through like so I just pick a couple um but I think that that's you know important for people to know is like it wasn't just like oh I bought a new dress no that was like there was a lot to it and uh, like a, a whole liberation 
came from that. That's really important. But okay, so you got the dress, you had the wedding. I think that's, we may have been a little further along in the story and I might've come back to it. Um, got the dress, had the wedding, wonderful wedding. Um, and Great. <laughs> best day ever. And then um, went on our honeymoon, such a wonderful honeymoon, came back. And I went back to work. Um, at the time, I was working at an outpatient physical therapy clinic. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of the, I think it was about like four months after that until I got my first recovery period. And that was also another pivotal point. But to keep it kind of short and simple, when I got back from my honeymoon and I returned to work, I didn't have the stress of the wedding. It was kind of behind me. And I just, I had an annual review at work and it really was a catalyst for me to start reflecting on what I wanted the future of my profession to look like. And um, I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into this, but I ultimately decided that my next move was going to be going off on my own and starting my own practice. And 10 days after I gave my notice at work, my first recovery period came. And I don't think that that's just pure Interesting. iron. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of all of my story. I wish I could say that was super concise, but. But that's kind of where you're at now because you have only just kind of begun your own practice. So that was really quite recent. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah it it you know recovery can be on the uh, on the other side of this thing that you're holding on to or that you're doing or this stressful event or this decision you're not making you know I, that's that's real that's so real i agree with you it was yeah i think i was more stressed at my job and with everything than i really realized um and I think, you know, I'm a really big proponent of um, like feelings, emotions manifest themselves physically and sit in our bodies and um, the impact of stress and everything. Yeah. And the more that, and I'm also into the universe, I feel like the universe can speak to us. And when I was working um, in the clinic, there was like this rush of, this period of time where I just started to see more women. I was a dance medicine, but I dance medicine specialist there. And so obviously, um, I don't know if we'll get to this, but I was working with three professional, professional dancers, dancers of all um, levels. And I just had this period oh. where I started to see more women in the clinic coming to me with missing periods, relative energy, diagnosis of relative energy deficiency in sport stress fractures, wow. bone stress injuries, um, overuse injuries. And, you know, I took it as a sign. And I remember I had a PTA that I was, um, we worked as a team. So a physical therapy assistant, and she would sit in on some of my evaluations with me. And she was sitting in on one of this, an evaluation with one woman that came to me who was actually um, going through eating disorder recovery. And we finished up with the evaluation and she was like, Emily, you have to do something with this at some point. Like you just light up and you have so much passion for working with women, you know, oh. in this sphere. And yeah, it just became pretty undeniable to me that 
I wanted to do my own thing. So I think once I finally like liberated myself and decided to take that leap, it was just like a release of stress. Okay. All right. So then I'm very excited to to dive into this direction. I haven't, cause I haven't not seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I don't doubt that it's not out there, but, um, I've, I've had a few doctor PT clients actually, and all of them have um, had this sort of interesting realization of like, I'm, I'm recognizing it more now in other clients as I, because I can identify it for myself and I can connect with them. And it, so, so I see how there's like a, this aha moment that can definitely happen. Um, and there's, this tells me that there's a lot of people out there, dancers, runners, ice skaters, like you name it, all the things, heaps of them are going to PT because of, you know, overuse injuries and and random things popping up. And none of them are being asked about their menstrual cycle, their eating. Like I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that most um, PT appointments for the average practitioner are very like, um, oh my gosh, what's the word? Oh, there's a word that you guys even use for it. Just where you're manually, uh, you're manually inspecting, looking at the area, taping, you know, doing corrective exercise. It's not as much this like internal piece. Like, tell me about what you're seeing as a gap and like the types you already said, like that all these women you're seeing, like what the opportunity is that you see for PT with working with women. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Um, we're not taught in school, so it's not, it's no fault on physical therapists. You know, we're really not taught in our curriculum and our coursework, um, and our doctoral degree to be asking these questions. I, and I shouldn't say that like, we're not, I'm sure there was like a quick, you know, lecture on it, like the female athlete triad at the time. Um, but yeah, like, we need to be asking women these questions because in physical therapy, we are spending so much time with people, like much more than they're seeing, you know, their doctor or other healthcare providers. So we just have the ability, especially PTs in the outpatient setting to foster this relationship Mm -hmm. with, um, and that's, you know, what, what I was seeing, I screened, especially working, um, with younger women and women in the dance medicine realm. And I ask any woman regardless, but about their menstrual health, like you need to ask. And I, you know, I would have male students and I would say, or male student. And I said, no matter who it is, you need to ask about menstrual health, no matter how uncomfortable it is. But, um, so the gap I think, Mm -hmm. and where we can help serve people is that honestly, in, in so many ways. Um, so from the standpoint of amenorrhea, hypothalamic amenorrhea and bone health, you know, we're seeing these, if we're, if we're sticking to girls and women, um, because men can be impacted too, but bone health, absolutely. Yeah. Bone stress injuries or repeated stress fractures. Um, if we're only focusing on the physical and doing a movement assessment and looking at biomechanics and looking at these like movement-based things, we're completely missing the gap on how we can help this population. Um, We need to be asking questions about their diet, their nutrition, their stress, because that's how Mm -hmm. we're through the cracks. And like, I think back to my own story 
And I went to PT when I tore my ACL. And if only I had had, you know, my PT or someone say, hey, you don't menstruate on your own. Like you have no period. You've lost a lot of weight. Let's look into this. Perhaps I would have started on my journey sooner. So yeah, because at a certain point, right, if someone's getting stretch factors, there's no corrective exercise that's going to start like actually making an impact. It has to start being a root cause issue. Exactly. And that's what it is. It's, it's root cause. So don't get me wrong. Perhaps there are, you know, even with when we're thinking stress fracture, even if, you know, diet, nutrition, all that stuff looks okay. There's usually an overuse component. You pushed your body mm-hmm. a little further than, you know, those bones had the capacity to handle. Um, so like training, I'm sure the like nine times out of 10, the, the, the clients you're seeing, it was an overuse injury, not just some random acute accident that happened. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Usually something underlying that too. I am very fortunate. I was very fortunate at my last job to have the, to have Boston children's hospital and the female athlete program so close by because oh they do a wonderful job of screening women and they are so like holistic in their approach and um, making sure these women are screened. So collaborating with some of the providers oh. is really awesome. But yeah, so I would say the bone, the bone stress injuries, um, stress fractures are, you know, we, we know bone health is a glaring issue in this population. Um, outside of that, I am now doing pelvic floor, pelvic health, um, physical therapy. So, which is something I wish I did so much longer, but it has been absolutely eye-opening to, to make connections here too. So I know Danny, you've gone through HA as well. I don't know if you experienced this, but I would pee like one or two times every single hour. Um, (laughs) libido, like vaginal dryness, like all of these things that we see with hypoestrogenism or low estrogen. Um, and there's other factors with that too, but it does impact the pelvic floor. And especially when we start looking at women who may be struggling from an actual diagnosed eating disorder, um, that's, you know, there's even more layers to that too, and how that can impact the pelvic floor. And I feel like in the sports community um eating disorders or like let's generalizing but disordered eating um is very easily hidden you know this is like one of the things where oh I'm a runner and that's why I do this like of course I control my weight I'm a flyer and I need to be light and so these like behaviors get pushed under the rug or even just like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, so like, let's work around that or like, let's ignore that. Um, And so there's a a total lack of awareness in almost every sport around, you know, this, this topic of like hormonal health. And so we're coming in to these appointments completely oblivious to the fact that there is actually yeah this uh this internal issue where like a part of our problems are not that you're moving incorrectly overuse but that you're just doing it too damn much with not enough food and being in your position is a great position to say something 
yeah. and help people. Absolutely. And I think that so, so, so many athletes and non-athletes are affected mm-hmm. by relative energy deficiency in sport. And I mean, yes, a day-to-day relative energy deficiency or low energy availability. Um, and, you know, there is research to support that even just like six days living in a low energy availability state, we start to see, you know, changes to bone health markers. So um, that and Dr. Nikki Key, Nikki K, she's fantastic. Um, and she, with her, you know, expertise with dancers as well. So I followed a lot of her work. Um, and yeah, so if we look at reds and then um, just like all of these different factors that that go into things and the questions that we need to be asking, it's just, it's so important. And there really needs to be more education and more awareness around it because it's so prevalent and it's so, I don't know if I want to say normalized, but you know, this fit culture and diet culture is so normalized that I think it's becoming more prevalent and you know even just women reaching out to me in dms and whatnot and saying like wow I had no idea that you know being on birth control I don't get a period is like maybe not the best thing or that not having a period isn't great for me or you know yeah yeah yeah, it's definitely like a a frontline just bringing awareness to the issue, you know, before even anything else. <laughs> like, um, yeah, even before just trying to solve the problem, it's like so many people just need this information. So I can really see how you're going to do so much great stuff from that like frontline of education all the way through to helping women, not just like get their periods back, but then also like get back into their sport and help and resolve their injuries. And it's just like so much encompassing it. So um, I'm excited about that. I want to let people know um, if they feel like, I mean, there's so much more we could talk to. We may have to do part two. Like we may have to kind of get back on and talk more in depth about that now that we've talked about your story. And, um, and I'm interested in like what common questions and stuff like you might get that from this type of community but yeah if people are interested in kind of getting your help and your expertise maybe they are athletes or active people or they're dealing with a lot of injuries um, or they just resonate with your story where might they find more information about you yeah absolutely so I do put out a lot of information on Instagram I'm at emilyeverton.dpt um, I can always be contacted through my email, um, emily at embodyptwell.com. Um, I mean, yes. And my website too, uh, which is embodyptwell.com. Um, and I would just put it out there that I'm really um, working with women kind of, you know, my goal is to really help women going through all body transitions is a word I like to use. So, you know, even... Um, pregnancy, postpartum, and, you know, navigability, um, a lot of the work that I'm really excited to um, be, you know, learning more about and offering is helping women with infertility and doing more fertility type stuff between like visceral mobilization and whatnot. But, 
yeah, women going through body transitions, whether it's HA, whether it's an eating disorder, disordered eating. Um, I did name my practice in body physical therapy and wellness for a reason. And that's because I saw yeah. a staff of women being so disconnected from their bodies. So one of my little taglines is come back home to your body. And I just think that it's just such an important missing piece in a lot of physical therapy um, care plans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk even more then about like your, your fertility and, and what you see there and like your expertise in it. And I, I love that. So people should go and just follow Emily. She's obviously very well-rounded and knows a lot about a lot of different things. And she's going through our course, our HAP course. So she's definitely going to be two thumbs up approved by us if you need any help as well. So that's awesome. Thank you for coming. Of course. Thanks for having me, Danny. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. And everyone have a great day. Bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about TempDrop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device, so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking, all of us at the HA Society are, and that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake-ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, my wake-up times are all over the place and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus, if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights too. So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place, and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy, or you want to chart for health reasons, like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction, TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop, and we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to 
tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is, of course, dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there, but I may even recommend it for just everyone in general. Get your husbands on it. Get your partners on it. If you have a history of HA and add on top of that, maybe a history of the pill, maybe you've been pregnant before, you know, through treatments or other, like you've just, your body's been through anything, you know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, Eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. So I've been using and recommending Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules for years now. And the capsule form makes it so easy to get your liver in every day. And I appreciate the transparency of this product in particular above others. So in case you're wondering, it's completely natural This is freeze-dried beef liver in capsules. It's organic. It's made from Australian beef. And my favorite of their products is the liver with kelp because of the iodine from the kelp, which is important for overall thyroid function, which is often low in women with underperforming hormones. So rather than eat seaweed snacks every day, I get to take this beef liver with the kelp for my iodine. So if you're recovering or working on a fertility journey right now, do not skimp the nutrient-rich source of beef liver. Get 10% off your order with the HA Society and support your favorite podcast along the way. They ship to most countries, so you should be covered. Just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use HA Society, just HA Society, at the checkout for the 10% off. That's grasslandnutrition.net with the code HA Society. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily so if you do that you're doing a service to all of the women